Welcome to the Take Us to the Game podcast, a light-hearted and irreverent look at the world of sport. I'm Richard Baker, and I'm joined this week by Ollie Scully. Hello. Tom Gibbs. Hey, hey. And Richard Kinniston. Hello. It's been a busy week in the world of sports. Hell of a lot going on. First up this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the goings-on at the Crucible, where Snook has a new world champion, doesn't it, Kiggs? Well, new in the sense it wasn't the same winner as last year, but he's been the winner three times before, sadly, um, and will probably probably catch Ronnie on six and Davis on six and Reardon on six, despite not being the most attractive player to watch. There's only so long you can spend watching someone stood at the bulk end, staring at the table, not taking any shots. We're talking about Mark Selby, of course, who beat... What was the chap he beat? Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. I felt a bit sorry for Sean Murphy. It was his third final, is that right? This is fourth final. He won Four. the first one, and now he's been runner-up three times since. Um, I felt sorry for Murphy. He plays a good game, attractive game, good player. But it's some time since he's been anywhere near where he has been over the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> I think if you were Sean Murphy coming out of that match, you'd feel good about going next season and coming back to somewhere... In the top 16, top eight even, wouldn't you? I think so. It was through the semi-finals, had like Bingham in it. Bingham wasn't even in the top 16. He had to qualify to get through and played some really good good snooker. I think he was very unfortunate to lose to Selby in the semis. Um, the two semis didn't live up to last year's, which were both final frame thrillers, but it was a great tournament nonetheless. They were still close, the two semis in the final. I think the Bingham-Selby game was the best of the ones I watched. Uh, I did feel a bit sorry for Bingham because I think he played the better snooker in that semi-final. Definitely did, and uh, it got a bit tortuous on that Saturday afternoon. It was really slowed down the game, and that that didn't suit Bingham. What turned out to be the, the final frame? He probably should have won that. You miss a miss a fairly tricky tricky black when he was otherwise in amongst the balls and set to set to clear up. Yep. And then there was you know that sort of pretty classic Selby safety exchange, and lo and behold, Selby comes out on top. Well, there's no one better that, than, than him at the safety, in fairness. You can call it good at the safety, but there's a bit of me that just feels like he plays such high percentage shots that eventually the other player feels that they'll play a low percentage shot and it just goes wrong. You look at the the, the last frame of the championship where where Murphy tries that uh, as a pink across the, uh, along along the uh, side cushion, just a, such a low percentage shot. And uh, and you know it's all over, and it happened repeatedly. I felt in the Bingham semi-final as well. Watching Selby play, you think he very much lives up to his nickname of the Jester from Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, or maybe, maybe you know, once he steps back through the curtain, he actually just you know, gets into some jingly costume and is <laughs> is larking around. I think he wears pointy shoes. <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> Murphy used to have a thing for fancy shoes. I think he just thought, well, ordinary black ones this year, but he has had some outlandish footwear at times. The magician. I've never seen him do a trick. Um, but <laughs> there we go. And weren't Judd Trump's shoes being auctioned off as well? I mean, did he put in a bid for the merch? I didn't know they were being auctioned. I did see him appear on the um, like punditry wearing trainers. Like, come on. You know, I don't know what these young lads are up to these days. You want to call Reardon in trainers. No, Judd, Judd, Judd Trump sold his championship winning snooker shoes, which were studded with plastic, and I think and I think they went for over £2,000. Is snooker shoes a thing? <laughs> what's what's yeah. the feature of a snooker shoe? It's, it's, it's trend, tre- trending on Instagram. Given you've got to have one of your feet on the, on, the, on the carpet at all times in order to be a legal shot, I'd like to think they're like those sort of paint pots with strings on, 
or Cuban heels or something, such that you can reach all the way across. <laughs> is, is, one, is one shoe really heavy? Perhaps a bit bigger than the other. You can get an extension for them, so don't don't put an extension on your queue. Put an extension on your feet. Yeah, I'd like. I I hope that I see see some non snooker players out wearing their snooker shoes. <laughs> I think you know, as soon as Kanye's out in some snooker shoes, then snooker shoes could be could be really flying off the shelves. So kids will be queuing up outside JD Sports to get the latest colorways of snooker shoes and selling them on. It's very hard to monetize snooker equipment compared to other sports because you might buy a queue. A queue will last you all your life. You don't need to buy repeated queues unless you lose it or break it. And you don't need any other kit, really. You know, football, people have shirts, they have kit to play it. Snooker, you just wear your ordinary clothes and have a £10 queue. You, you've been to the Crucible quite a few times, Rich. Do you not, do you not wear a replica John Parrott waistcoat when you go? <laughs> maybe I should do I, I don't do um, but maybe next time I go I've got tickets for next year's world championship I was supposed to go this year but decided to roll the tickets over to next year um, so I promise you I will dress up and you can keep an eye out for me in the crowd what merch do you get uh, I was say, do you find yourself drinking Chinese spring water <laughs> <laughs> well it's much better than my old Benson and Hedges uh, addiction that I had when I was 12 years old I worry because there's a there's a great website called um, english.com that tracks amusing mistranslations of 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 english phrases mostly in the far east and does it does it not worry anybody that we have absolutely no idea what is branded across mark selby's breast pocket i don't know are you going to enlighten us do you know no no that's the thing it could be anything well, it's like the jester so, from leicester so boring bastard <laughs> yeah. Yeah. boring safety play <laughs> Lump on me when I hit three to one. <laughs> You'd have thought it'd be sponsored by by Jurek, like Mr. Safety should be <laughs> his nickname. But I, I mean, like you do wonder, as you say, Rich. I, I looked up Southampton's shirt sponsor. They don't even have a website. They're that dodgy. <laughs> it's like, what, Virgin Media. Anything. No, is it Virgin Media now? I don't know. Whoever the Chinese betting company that they were, I looked them up. Don't exist on the internet. Weird. Yeah, they they they, they, they they weren't a betting company. They were they were a sports marketing media company, weren't they? And they they didn't really they didn't really exist at all. They were just completely yeah. fictitious. Well, as the yeah. as the quasi owner of a sports media company, <laughs> people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. <laughs> did, QPR, did QPR find a replacement for Football Index? Their sponsors, who was a rather peculiar business that went bust. There it is. Take us to the game on a QPR shirt. Just yeah, watch. Should... I'm wondering if we can if we can sponsor a low level snooker player just for that Chinese exposure. Yeah, well, having seen some of the players that are in the World Seniors Championship that's taking place now, I don't think you'd have to pay very much for some of them. There must be something we can we can sponsor. Little little snooker players, maybe at the bottom of his 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 shoe. Wouldn't that be fantastic if they said, "What does that say in Mandarin?" It says. <laughs> <laughs> take us to the game <laughs> <laughs> well Stephen Hendry's fallen on hard times following his divorce maybe he needs some extra money he has he famously played um Jimmy White in the was it the first round proper or was it a qualifier for the tournament uh it was the qualifier and I think he won very comfortably he did and that was against the odds though yeah it's got to be annoying if you you Jimmy White and you think this guy's retired he's not played for however long 
Jimmy's kept on playing, kept up to a reasonable standard. And who's he getting qualifying? The nemesis. <laughs> and lo and behold, just rocks up and rolls him over. I roll back the clock. Yeah, it's like meeting somebody who was better than you at something in school. And then it turns out 20 years later, they're still <laughs> much better than you. <laughs> and going back to Mark Selby, I was a bit surprised the crowd didn't kind of jump on his back a bit. But I think they must have been just so relieved to be actually there with Oscar. I would guess, sort of given the demographic, that most of them had been vaccinated, and probably a lot of them some time ago. <laughs> but still, it's a, it's, it's quite a commitment to uh, watching live sport to sit for however long the sessions are. I guess they're sort of two and a half, three hours in a mask in a crowded room. Dedication. Yeah, hopefully when the cinemas reopen, we won't have to have masks on during the films. All right, leave your advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Get get your own little space on the snooker breast pocket. Yeah, if the Odeon marketing department want to get in touch, you know where to find me. Hopefully it's an Odeon cinema near you. Talking of people who know how to commercialise, it's been an interesting week for the Glazer family, Tom. It has, yeah. I mean, but not that we, not that they appear to know it. <laughs> they um, they seem to be, you know, quite happy wherever they are right now. Um, not responding to anything that happened and that's fair enough in a way why should they respond to breaking an entry I get that oh, much like the police <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of things on the on the on the stop chit around Manchester at the moment probably um, but yeah no I think that's an important point to make though it's like flippant you can't really support the means I think I think the message is absolutely fine and you know my views on that are expressed on take us to the game and my views about the way the Glazer family see it, but throwing stuff at police officers is never going to be the answer. I think that's the first point to make. Yeah. So the the timeline of it was that was it several thousand people went to protest outside the stadium? Or was it not that many? It's about a thousand, I think. Yes. And was it always the intention to try and get in and get onto the pitch, or was that just an opportunity that presented itself? I don't think that's clear, and it's, you know I'm missing something out there. But I think the, the intention was certainly to disrupt the, the the game, and you could accept that as a as an outline persp- uh, method of protest. You know, a protest outside of Old Trafford, and it's we've seen similar at Arsenal, we've seen similar at the other at the other European Super League clubs, and great. And I think that is important. The fans do that because we absolutely. You know, I think I speak for you all, tell me otherwise, but I think we believe in that message that actually what some of these owners are doing is disruptive to our love of the game. But to break in, I think that's probably a bit of um, opportunism, maybe. But it's then beyond that, some of the violence, some of the uh, actions thereafter looked a bit looked a bit off colour. I suspect that was probably a you know, very small number within the within a couple of thousand people that were there. What I thought was quite interesting is that if it's, it's so still unclear how they actually got access to the ground. There was some talk that perhaps somebody inside the ground had, had let them in. And, you know, that could be somebody making a decision that it's kind of it's almost safer to, to let them in, let them onto the pitch, knowing that they can clear them off again. And that's been you know, a point made. Um, or were there actually, you know, some... You know, some windows were forced or some gates were forced and actually they've made their way in. Well, I think the irony is they got in through the megastore, didn't they? <laughs> they got in through the club shop. As opposed to, as opposed to exit by the club shop. <laughs> Happen when uh, fans are allowed back in, though, as to, you know, what, what level of protest might we see on the final games of the season? 
they were saying on Sky Sports about the game being postponed. They were saying, well, how will the players feel with all these fans milling about? And I thought... <laughs> I'm going to have to get soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, the, the one issue I, I had with it, as somebody who's worked as a steward, albeit not at football, but you know, at, at cricket in an earlier part of my life, there were, there were a few people saying the stewards should have done more you know, to stop these people. And I was thinking, in no way is that the job of a steward to stop a, a criminal act or you know, to physically restrain people from entering a stadium. You know, that's is, that is the role of the police, surely. Ultimately, it, what, is, what is done is done now. And I, don't, I, I sincerely hope that other clubs, aren't, or other clubs' supporters aren't going to do anything similar or to that extent. I think the message is there. What I'm waiting for is some sort of response from these owners. And we're not hearing that. What else can the fans do? Because as you said, there's been no response. It's been a tough week for the uh, NFL journalist Jay Glazer. He's <laughs> just been pelted on, on Twitter purely for his surname. Uh, Woodward resigned. You know, he's gone. The family themselves don't engage. The club continue to churn a profit that flows back over to the US. Um, maybe their advisors are just saying to them, like, sit still, wait for the storm to blow over. What they I guess did, we've uh, been here before, haven't we? The, you know, there were there were protests when um, you know when the when the club was bought, and there were protests, you know, kind of again in what was it, 2000 and, 2010, and they kind of you know they weren't you know weren't to this to this level, but I think you know the I think the feelings have been running running high. I mean, before the Super League came along, and this has just sort of brought it back on the the agenda. But it seems as if the Glazers are just happy to just brazen it out as long as the money's flowing then they don't see the need to um to really respond it'll be most interesting if some of the sponsors start to back away from the club and they say this is not a football brand that we want to be associated with in the current climate then you wonder whether actually they'll the owners will sort of take notice yeah do all the fans abroad care about this and as long as that's who the sponsors are aiming at and there's enough of them they won't they won't pull away i don't think I think that's an interesting angle, Rich, in that I think it's a simplification to say that fans overseas don't care. I think a lot of fans overseas that I know who follow English football are incredibly knowledgeable about it, and actually incredibly incredibly knowledgeable about the history of it as well. And I don't think that they naturally think that because something breaks from the traditional history of English football that they don't care. I think in many ways a lot of them are attracted to English football because of sort of its tradition. So I, I think they do care, is, would be my response. It, it goes back to the snooker argument. And, and you saw it with Barry Hearn and the Judd Trump uh, uh, discussions over the last week, you know, about how out of date is it wearing waistcoats and wet dressing formally. And Barry Hearn's response was, well, actually, the Chinese market respect that. They see that as part of the opposite, or, uh, the proposition, you know, of a traditional sport. And I think it's something that, you know, you make lazy assumptions that are out there about, you know, what overseas fans may or may not want. If you if you play devil's advocate on the Glazer ownership of United, and they've had a few years now without the league, I think going back to 2012, 2013 would have been their, their last title, the last year under Ferguson. But currently they sit second in the Premier League. They're set for the Europa League final. They have invested heavily in the squad, in the likes of Paul Pogba, uh, Bruno Fernandes. You know, it's not like there's no money being made available for the management. I mean, they've, they've responded in terms of they've got a fan favourite in Solskjaer as, as the club manager. They've got a good youth system with, you know, players coming through to the first team in like Greenwood and Rashford. So is is there an argument to say that 
you know, what more could they do as an ownership mod? Well, I think absolutely. And the, the, the protest, it's very easy for a protest to stop something cha- from happening that's new and radical. It's very difficult, though, for a protest to change something that already exists, I think, unless they've got a really firm plan for what would be different. I don't know what they'd change. Do you? There's been a lot of talk about the German model, you know, the 50 plus one. And I have two issues with it in that, one, the German model is can be navigated around, as shown by Red Bull Leipzig. Sorry, RB Leipzig, not allowed to call them Red Bull Leipzig. But but Bayern are about to win their ninth Bundesliga in a row. I mean, there's no competition in Germany. And and Bayern are taking the uh, the coach of the second place team. That this idea that you know if we have a fan owned model like they do in Germany, we're suddenly going to have a much better competition. I don't think is necessarily the case. I think it's a bit of a is a bit of a fantasy, really. Oh, that's it. I just don't think there's there is an alternative plan that's realistic. So a protest is fine against the ESL, but I don't see what it's really trying to achieve with the current ownership. The protest that they went down at Liverpool a few years ago was um, in response to higher ticket prices for the new stand was to walk out of the match mid-game. And whilst it's a much smaller issue, um, it did have an impact. A bit hard to do at the minute. Uh, but yeah but again stopping some change that you don't want to see that makes sense and yeah yeah absolutely yeah you're absolutely right rich it's it fans have to vote with their feet and with their wallets to enact change i guess that's one of the one of the gripes against sort of the you know the the glazer ownership model i suppose if you're if you're a fan going to old trafford every week is that you know you you pay for your match ticket you get your beers you exit via the gift shop rather than breaking in. And you'd like to think that that money was was also being spent on the club and on your team and that the money you spend on a match day is is, you know, is also supporting the side and going to get ploughed back in in terms of players or painting the stand or whatever it might be. You know, that's what kind of would, would happen lower down the pyramid. So I suppose that's the appeal of the, of the German model is that if you spend you spend you cash on match day you kind of feel like you're contributing to the club rather than it just being uh just being profits or you know just repaying some some debt that's been been taken to um to buy the club in the first place yeah i think i think that's fair i guess my point around the german model was more around the fact that i don't think it's going to make would make football any more competitive and i don't think it would necessarily mean that you would have a more even distribution of wealth i think wealth would still be concentrated in the hands of the big clubs but you wouldn't be able to have have well well let's let's get on to the to the Champions League in in that sense in that the the model that City have employed is very different to United in that rather than ladening the club with debt it's basically been pure pure equity financing that's gone into to City over the last decade that's you know ultimately resulted now in the first first appearance in the Champions League final um you know should that sort of cash injection be be allowed it's sort of if you are every other club in the league, you want to say no. <laughs> but if it's your club, you're going to be everyone's going to be delighted. No one, I think. Well, I think this this is why I enjoyed the game on Tuesday so much because, as a City fan, about the one game that you can enjoy in the knowledge that the other team are just as uh, <laughs> just as guilty as you are is when you play Paris Saint Germain. So it's sort of like the one guilt-free game you can watch. Um, and and obviously, you know, City City got through. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. When Paris Saint-Germain realised that they were getting knocked out with about 25 minutes to go, they en masse absolutely lost it. <laughs> it was at one yeah. point 
Pochettino was on his feet. Uh, at one point, he was on the touchline, sort of trying to get them all to calm down. And then after five minutes, he just gave up and the camera panned on him. And he just sat on the back of the bench, arms crossed, uh, legs folded, just sort of sucking air through his teeth. It was yeah, quite a sight to behold. Well, maybe that's his job. Uh, sorry, as in, you know, maybe that's him getting the sack now. Maybe that's the, that's the price. Well, I mean, he's having trouble in the league as well with uh, with Lille, close to pulling a pulling out an, uh, a shock uh, win of the French Championship. How's that yeah. happened? Yeah, you think that the job spec is to win the Champions League in addition to just banking the league title. The engraver's just going to have to cross out a name and put Lille on it. They probably had a job lot done a few years ago. Well, I think one one thing that was quite clear watching the two legs of the of the semi final was that whilst Paris Saint Germain have obviously invested in superstars, you know, the likes of Mbappe and, and Neymar, they don't have the same all round strength in the team. You know, some of their defenders, are frankly, a bit shocking. In the first leg, they added Drissa Gay playing, who was you know pretty average in the Premier League. I think they're struggling in the French league because they're so reliant on you know a couple of key players that maybe they don't have the all round team that perhaps they would do if they were playing in you know England or Spain. That's, that's felt like it's been a, a problem over the last few years, even when they've been even when they've been walking a, away with the, the French league title. As soon as they've actually had to you know, to play some play some decent teams in the latter stage of the Champions League and play a bit differently, where they're going to need to just you know cope with periods of time without the ball, they've never really looked like they've come to terms with with that. They've not had the sort of spine of a team that um, that can just sit in and keep it tight for a bit. Have you ever actually seen the league uh, trophy? No. <laughs> it's 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 worth a look. It, it's quite distinct. It essentially looks like you know those weapons that you throw in Tron, the big sort of <laughs> disc thing. <laughs> but it's like that. But then with a bit cut out and a football stuck in the middle, and then there's a sort of um, a, a rectangle at the bottom which is covered in an inscription, but none of which appear to be any of the teams that have won. Uh, won the trophy. Not it doesn't say PSG multiple times, for instance. I can't quite wait, make work out what it does say on it, but it's probably some romantic poem or some such. I suspect <laughs> the lyrics to a Jean-Michel Jarre song. If lost, please return to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, mentioned uh, in terms of United season, uh, a Europa League final in Gdansk uh, awaits. Are you excited about that, Tom? Yeah, I think. A good reward for United, given what has been, frankly, a really quite impressive UEFA Cup campaign from them. I would like to see two European finals that are competed between four of the big six of the English league. And, uh, you know, I think that I think that is um, an exciting prospect for, for, for us as fans. Actually, an, you know, Man United, Arsenal, UEFA Cup, uh, Man City, Chelsea, UEFA Champions League final. Great. Well, it's, as it stands, it looks like Villarreal might be raining on your parade. Ah, that's all right. They've got enough ex-Premier League players. We'll be happy. <laughs> so with the uh, with the postponement of the United-Liverpool game last Sunday, that's thrown into disarray the business end of uh, many people's fantasy league season. Rich, how are you coping with the triple game week coming up? Well, I had already played my wild card in anticipation of some double game week action. And so what it's done is magnify it from double game week to triple game week plus double game week action. So I've got a really strong squad. Bench boost played. Uh, worked out quite nicely. 
I'm taking a while to close out the draft league, though. I think I've been on like the cusp of winning it mathematically for about three weeks now and can't quite get over the finishing line. I had it nailed last week and Dan, Dan pulled out an amazing score. There was a good story on the BBC today about the IPL. Did anybody see this? I mean, very, very sadly, uh, given the situation in, in India at the moment, what, what India is going through, uh, they took the logical decision to suspend the IPL last week. And no one's really quite sure when it's going to uh, resume or if it's going to resume. And it's also thrown into doubt the, the World T20, which will be in, due to be held in India later in the year. But there was a story today that some counties had apparently been in touch with the BCCI uh, offering to to host the remainder of it. And uh, I like the idea of uh, you know Chennai Super Kings basing themselves out of Taunton for a few weeks. I think they like the idea. I think they'd much rather that than Chester Street. <laughs> <laughs> How would you decide who goes where? Would you have sort of some sort of draft system, or would Not you would you try, would would you try and replicate sort of the uh, where teams are in India and, and then just geographically replace them in in the uk i quite like that except for i'm not quite sure where some of the places are like where is Pune? uh rising pune super giant for years five years okay there's always a team name that was just generated with a random collection of words <laughs> the rising pune the rising pune super giant yeah it's just just it's a capture i am not a robot <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of hoping that if it does, if it does come to to the county grounds, that to 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 try and get the uh, get the proper IPL atmosphere, they'll have to build the biggest set of temporary stands in history, <laughs> increase the sort of capacity you know, from up from a couple of thousand up to well, up to sixty. I had a pretty mammoth uh, temporary stand at Old Trafford when the World Cup was was on. They did, yeah. It looked very flimsy as well. I'm not sure you would have caught me going sitting in the top of it. Yeah, I've been on it, but I didn't go very high on it. So. I like the idea that for anyone who watches County Championship on YouTube and ever has the live chat on, there's always at least 10 wags in there asking where Virat is. So <laughs> He's there. There he, there. there he is. He's, he's playing at Hove for the Hove Royal Challengers. It's uh, Bangalore being in the South reference. Presumably the ECB are going to try and clamp down on this. This breakaway movement from the counties. They've got a lot invested in the hundred. Yeah, are they going to be sponsored by another crisp company? Well, Bombay Mix, presumably. <laughs> yeah, I like it. KP. Oh, no, hang on. KP's already on there, isn't it? Which one of them? <laughs> It'll have to be um, oh, Doritos. Are they one of them? <laughs> I think they are. Oh, God. They get everywhere, these crisp companies. There's a, yeah, no, Skips are involved. The London Spirit are sponsored by Tyrrells, which is a. Uh, uh, the poshest of crisp, I would say, to go with Lords. Goes well with a G&T. I think the Manchester team are McCoys. Oh, they're the best of crisps. That's good. Yeah. Too too much. I'm not sure I can handle McCoys. There's too much going on. That's because you're from Yorkshire. You can't, you can't handle the good stuff. All that fancy flavour. Yeah. yeah. What do you want? Ready, salted. Not even salted, just ready. Seabrook, <laughs> ready, salted. I want to have a look in the bag. Just a potato, really. That's all you want, a potato. Yeah, raw. <laughs> Aren't the Welsh Fire sponsored by butter-kissed popcorn, Rick? <laughs> Might suit your employment choices and your nationality. <laughs> Do you think you can smuggle butter-kissed popcorn into the cricket as well as into the cinema? 
the, the popcorn that we serve in our cinemas is far superior to anything you could smuggle in, so I wouldn't recommend smuggling anything in. You're right. <laughs> Nothing gives you the satisfaction of paying five quid for some... Anyway, I'll stop there. <laughs> is there any... Um... Ollie, did you want to talk about the Lions? Well, I want to know how England have got the most players in it, having finished fifth in the Six Nations. Like that's the that's pretty much the wooden spoon position if we discount Italy from really counting. There's there's a lot of kit that needs to be carried <laughs> if you're going on tour for, for a month or two. Yeah. I did a I did a little rundown of who I thought would be in my my starting fifteen. It was Alan Wynn Davis there? <laughs> Alan Wynn, yeah, Alan Wynn Davis was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly the first name on everyone's team sheet. So uh, where where are they even going? Where where are they going on tour this time? Uh, well, South in, Africa. In theory, they're going to South Africa. Oh, okay. As it stands, they're still going to South Africa. There was a talk of them possibly going to Australia to play South Africa, and then there was talk of them was say, staying at home to play South Africa. <laughs> who else is bidding for this one? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're going to play at some IPL grounds. Play at the county ground. That'd mix that square up a bit. <laughs> Less of a road after that. Who made you fifteen, Ollie? Well, I I only had of all this, all these English players uh, that have been named in the squad. I only had one one starting, and that was um, Marco Vanapola. Uh, I'm not quite sure who he's. I think the centre's the most interesting set of selections. So I'd start with Henshaw, and then I'm not sure who else I would put alongside him from the from the options he's got. He's got. Farrell, if he wants another kicking centre as an option. An ill-disciplined uh, one. Yeah, but I imagine I imagine he's going to start with bigger. So you don't need a, someone else to put boot to ball if you've got bigger playing 10. You've got Aki, you can play, you run crash ball. So perhaps that's his thinking. He just wants wants a big unit that can that can tackle and run a, run a crash ball line. And then he's got Elliot Daly and, and Chris Harris. So it'd be a big... A big move if he picks Harris because I'm not sure that everyone had him even in the squad. So for him to go from you know possibly making the squad to being a starter is quite a quite a surprise. And then you've got Elliot Daly who you know can obviously play anywhere across the back line, but is he not going to be a little lightweight to stand at stand at centre against the box? So it's interesting what sort of what his plan's going to be for for his for his centres. He always liked big centres when he was at, at Wales as manager. Yeah, you got to want tackling. It's always a useful skill in rugby players. No, but in particular, your big centres. When you're going to play in South Africa, you want your centres to be able to, you know, absolutely close the game down a touch. And that's why I thought, I thought you might go Aki, put both the Irishmen in the centre. I mean, that's probably what I suspect. That's what he'll do. It's just that the the other, if one of those gets injured, the rest of his he doesn't have anyone else to play that same same way. It felt like the, the centre selection was quite unusual. It's just a little bit of little bit of all options, but no, I couldn't work out quite what his plan was by looking at the looking at the selection. Everywhere else, it was kind of a little bit more straightforward. You could see some bit of consistency in his picks. And when is the tour? Good question. When is it? <laughs> I'm not sure when it starts. I thought I thought it was quite soon, but maybe I got that wrong. Hang on. Because South Africa, obviously, very much on the red list at the minute and of course the cricket tour was curtailed last year wasn't it after you know, various outbreaks of covid within within the cricket bubble so i imagine that'd be a significant concern the lions are playing japan at murrayfield on the 26th of june and then they're going out yeah in for july and interesting that they've still gone with the big touring group 
because I always thought they always they always take 37 players because as, aside from the tests they'll then play another you know 10 or so games against you know, various regional sides. Are they still doing a, a full tour or is it slimmed down? I think they're still playing playing five warm-up games. I think so. I think there probably will still be a a test team and a and a midweek team. Well, the tests yeah. are all after the warm-up games, so they don't. Uh, it's not as though you're flipping between the two. Interesting for South Africa. South Africa, the ones that need a bit, a few warm-up games. They've not not played since the World Cup final. Cool. Do you want to talk about your travel plans? Which ones? Are you are you actually going out to uh, Istanbul? Oh, uh, am I going to Istanbul? Uh, I have a. When I was uh, eleven, I went to the European Cup final at Wembley, and I took my childhood best friend at that point. Uh, who is a British Turkish guy, and he uh, now lives in Istanbul and you know, reasonably successful. So he's going to have a hunt for a ticket, and if he can, if he can track down some, because I think with the Champions League final, it's the tickets that are diff- the difficult bit. I think you do the travel afterwards, but yeah, if you if you can find a ticket, then I'm I'm tempted, but uh, I wouldn't go on the off chance. I can imagine COVID's very, been very hard on ticket. <laughs> yeah. Government hasn't done enough to support them, has it? <laughs> yeah, just just touting zoom show tickets you're not tempted to just head out there then soak up the atmosphere watch it in a end up watching it in a bar with some, some no fans. no I, 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 because yeah you come back and say oh i was i was proximal to the stadium no I, i'd rather watch it i'd rather watch it with my dad and my sister can you get that in dolston yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> a nice Turkish atmosphere. Absolutely. I had uh, friends of mine went out to went out to Madrid, uh, to, and I think they were hoping that they would pick up a ticket for the Champions League final when Spurs were in it. And you know, there were tickets around on the streets, but you know they were thousands and thousands of pounds. And I think they, in the end they just decided, let's just go and have some fun in a bar. And you know, there were lots and lots of other. Uh, both Spurs and Liverpool fans are having just having a good time. I think it was a good party atmosphere, but the ticket prices then were astronomical because you know because so many more people had travelled than there were than there were tickets. Might be yeah. a bit different this time round. If there's a if there's a ticket going, there might be a lot of people that are, that are just nervous to travel. That's true. The clubs only get four thousand each, which isn't a huge allocation. And even if it does go ahead in Istanbul, it will be reduced capacity so but you're right there might be more availability this year than there might be others the other flip side to that is i've been to dozens of city chelsea games over the years <laughs> I, just, I suspect there'll probably be other city champions league finals as well well and down the tracks very possibly but you can't assume you can't assume it's a difficult game to get to do you think if pep wins it he leaves Ooh. No, I think he'll do another season at least. I think he seems to be relatively happy. It's the first time that Pep's built a second team in anywhere that he's been. So in the way that sort of you know Ferguson had like four or five distinct teams when he was United manager, um, Pep sort of had his Barcelona team for three years left. Then he had his Bayern team. He came in and sort of inherited a City team that was built around company David Silva Aguero, and he's phased them all out and he's built another team that's probably you know, well well set well should win the league this year well set to challenge again next year so i think i think he might do another season i think he's he's reasonably happy at the minute um and i think he's built enough around the club that even if he did move on i think that i think the the 
it would carry on in, in the same way, depending on who they recruited in after him. What would he go on to do? Where would he go? He's obviously been, you know, been to, done everything he can do in Spain. He's been at Bayern. Now I can see in London. I don't know. <laughs> He's a bit of a weirdo. I could see him. I could, I could see him like going to MLS and just, or I could see him going and doing something really odd and just going coaching in like Swaziland or something. Yoga retreat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would he ever get the national team job? Tricky as a Catalan. Yeah, I was going to say which nation. Yeah. <laughs> first, first Catalan national coach. Get the Andorra squad up to scratch. <laughs> Tom, Kinks, Ollie, thanks very much. <laughs>